0: Welcome to Terror Talk. Before we start the show today, I wanted to give you a heads up about our Patreon community. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron and join our Discord community, where we watch film together and chat daily. You also have early access to our episodes and a mini-cast that we do exclusively for Patreon members. Also, check out our new website at terrortalkpodcast.com. Follow along as we build it together. Most of all, thanks for listening and enjoy the show.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Hello. Hello. Today on the show, we are going to talk about the movie Black Swan from 2010. A committed dancer struggles to maintain her sanity after winning the lead role in a production of Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake, uh, directed by Darren Aronofsky and starring uh, Natalie Portman, Mila Kunis, Vincent Cassel, etc. I want to talk a little bit more about the plot, just to let you guys know, sort of what it is. Because I don't think this is a movie that everyone has seen. It was not going to appeal to some people, but I think it's slightly more interesting than you might imagine. Um, so Portman plays Nina, a ballet dancer with a major ballet company in New York City. She's basically like a sheltered good girl, uh naturally suited to the pure and intricate white swan role in Swan Lake. And for those of you who don't know, there's the the star of Swan Lake plays both, the white swan and the black swan. And the black swan is more seductive and malicious or sort of a negative shadow character and the white swan is the pure um you know, ingenue (laughs) basically Uh, to nab all the, to nab the important spot, meaning to nab the part of the white swan or that what they call the swan queen is what the part is called. Uh, Nina must draw from the deep well of aggressive, passionate and dark feelings flowing underneath her obedient childlike persona. She basically comes off like a very, very submissive, fearful um, childlike woman although she comes off very
0: childlike and I think it's an exceptional performance from
1: Natalie Portman. She's
0: amazing. And, and all the performances, Mila Kunis is great in yeah. this. Winona Ryder is amazing in this. Yeah. The
1: ballet uh, teacher or I'm, um, I'm sorry, uh, director is really interesting. So that process, this process of becoming this character and getting this part unhinges Nina in a series of scary and heartbreaking scenes that leap between reality and psychosis, uh, Her previously controlled and very codependent relationship with her mother, narcissistic mother, a typical kind of former ballerina turned stage mom, which is played by Barbara Hershey, who I also thought was Unbelievable in this. It eventually kind of explodes into some violence. And uh, Nina, you know, she compulsively harms herself. She scratches her back until... Um, and by the way we're ruining this movie as always <laughs> um, scratching her back until she appears to have the wing-shaped ruptures of the swan she so desperately wants to become on stage she basically grows wings out of her back she so, does so there's that so there's some fantastical elements to this there's drama elements to this and there's Quite obviously, a mental health piece to this. Um, I'd love to start how we normally start, which is what did we think of the movie and what was it like to watch it again? Because I think you were saying just before this, Kathy, that it was a very different experience.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, I think the first time I watched it, I was more. Um, let's see, this came out in 2010, so I I did already have my masters. So I mean, there was a mental health component, obviously, from the first time I watched it, but I think. I think I watched it more from like her detachment from reality and more like of a psychosis, which really when you rewatch it again, um, that's not at all. Mm -mm. This is really a movie about somebody, somebody falling, you know, the fall from innocence to experience the complexity of being um, a young woman in this country and the, the double binds and um, essentially all of the subjugation that she was uh, bound to, whether it was her mother, her director, uh, a lover, a friend, a a competitor, there was constant subjugation. And I think that when someone hasn't fully developed an identity and, and just like she hadn't because of her narcissistic mother she had she had zero sense of self that was being created by on in an ongoing toxic environment so i watched it very much from more of like an identity development sort of psyche kind of i don't know it was very different for me this time
1: yeah no i i definitely see this as the integration of an identity like that yeah. was very much uh the theme for me as well and then also all of the study and discussion we've had a narcissism and mm-hmm. seeing the mom and how typical her narcissism was like very 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 textbook narcissistic mother and and also just knowing what that what it does to a person to be in relationship to a narcissist mm-hmm. in, in your family in particular and then and what that does to a person and so that right. was a really interesting part for me this time which I you know, even just, you know, 11 years ago or whatever. So cringe worthy scenes between her and
0: Barbara Hershey, the cake scene, right? That's the one that, yeah. I think
1: that's the one that stands out. So what basically happens is mom buys a cake as a congratulatory thing or whatever. And you know ballerinas don't eat cake for one but mm-hmm. anyway
0: <laughs> she buys a cake which was intentionally yeah it's a provocative it's
1: a, uh, intentionally shitty buys a cake and then s- begins to cut a massive piece and she's like I don't want that much that's way too bad. I don't I'll just have a bite what are you doing and she's uh, and so then the narcissist feels shame or does or is defending against shame it is like I, well, fine. Uh, it's just it's just garbage. Then it's just garbage, and the mom goes to throw it away. And just before she throws it away, because of course that's a manipulation. She's like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, mom." Mm-hmm. And then the mom like stops from throwing away. Like, okay, great. And then she puts the cake back down the other. And then I thought it was really brilliant where it was Barbara Hershey just takes her finger and puts it in the icing and feeds it to her, mm-hmm. and she licks the. thing. I was just like, "Yeah, oh
0: my god, it's the mother's teeth." It totally is. And and the, their whole dynamic, she kept her from developing. She kept her from- Totally, finding the identity. The identity, which is what we know about narcissistic parenting is there's a resistance to autonomy, any sort of sense of that child seeking uh, an identity of their own or autonomy is going to be met with resistance. It's going to be met with shame. It's going to be met with um, just ridicule. And so- You know, one thing we know about, um, I think there's so so much going on. There's so many layers to this. So first of all, a ballerina, in general, her body's going to develop slower because of all of the stunting that happens when you put your body through that rigor during a developmental stage. The same thing we'll see happen with gymnasts. Mm -hmm. So I think it was um, somewhat brilliant to pair that with this because not only is her her identity not developing it's sort of matching with her body but there is this there is this under this sexuality that's just underneath the surface that she's wanting to tap into I mean here's another cringeworthy scene is when the director tells her to go home and touch herself and masturbate she goes home she starts it have her way with herself and she rolls over and mom's passed out in the be- ba- bedroom chair like mom is always on or always on her tit mm-hmm. um and so there's there there's no room ever mom is making sure that this child is not becoming her own woman yeah and that's
1: that i, I mean i just hear so much like that's that rigid narcissism of needing the mirror yep to look the way you need it to look you know, she needs this. She's using this child as a narcissistic supply. She needs her daughter to need her, and yeah. and and that mirror needs to reflect her. Mm-hmm. So if so, autonomy is the opposite of that. Autonomy is being your own person. So if you're not reflecting the mirror to the narcissist, they are they don't see you. That's the whole point. They don't see you. They don't see the difference. They don't see the autonomy. They s- only see the mirror. And if you step out of that mirror, oof. Uh, Good luck. They're going to do everything they can to put you back.
0: And that's the subjugation. It's that, that, Overpowering domination, and what we see a lot of times with narcissistic mothers, that there are moments where you see the overtness of her narcissism, but most often you see Barbara Hershey's, her- Hershey's character in that victimization, like "How dare you leave me? How dare you not do you know?" But then it's met with the love bombing, which is "You are perfect. You are precious. You are. You deserve this." da 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 da. You know, it's this really confusing so it pulls her back in to feeling that guilt of if i'm not always there for my mother i'm really a piece of shit because look at how much she's supporting me and loving me which is really just more of the the subjugation it's just it's really watching it now with the experience that i have working in narcissistic abuse and and working with the narcissists and psychopaths it's like ugh it's disgusting to watch barbara hershey's character
1: well yeah and keeping your victim in chaos is incredibly uh, effective. Mm -hmm. So keeping them in the emotional cruelty and chaos of not knowing how you really feel about them and gaslighting and meaning that I love you while knowing that it's not real love or authentic, autonomous love as we all need, or unconditional love that we need. I'm just writing down conditional
0: love. Yeah, yeah
1: it, it's it, that's the gaslighting. Is that it's 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 stabbing someone in the heart while saying, "I love you so much," and that chaos of that condition inside of you is what keeps her there it's what keeps her um submissive and victimized she never knows where she stands exactly and so when she in the movie when she starts to um you know go out to dinner go to a club ends up doing drugs you know has fantasy starts to devolve who knows what part of that is real that whole sequence but like she def- starts to defy and uh we really start to see her pushing for her own identity
0: mm-hmm all right. What's next? Um, let me see. So, you know, I guess this just sort of rolls in. All of this is connected. But we see early on that whatever environment that she's in, and there's, there's also this message too, I think the director talks about it, mm-hmm. that only through the love of a man can she find herself this is the message of the swan. Yeah. Which essentially is a message for a lot of young women.
1: And a lot of fairy tales and mythology. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, then there becomes this, you know, blind loyalty and trust to a director who's also incredibly narcissistic. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, creatively, he does push her to grow. I will give him that. But it's still from a sense of his own self Like, well, power. Yes. And
1: that it's kind of, uh, I think we were talking about this in one of the um, Patreon mini casts, is that it's coming from a place of narcissism because he believes he's the one that can make Change her, her what she needs mm-hmm. to be and turn her into a more complex female, you know, having the light in the dark and that that's what she needs is she really needs the integration of the white and the black sun. Now, a- as an audience member, we... We know that too, or as a psychologist, we know that too, because the integration of of light and dark into your personality is is really incredibly important, in my opinion. Yeah. But his his he might be trying to go towards the right goal, like you said, but his intentions is is purely selfish, self fulfilling. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. that's where we get into. It's like the goal might be the same, and that's what's actually interesting about the script is that it's supposed to, it didn't for me, but it is supposed to cause chaos in the viewer because you you want him to get her there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like liking Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> it's like right. you, you want him to push her to be this amazing uh, swan queen, mm-hmm. um, but you sense the emptiness and selfishness that he's doing and the predatory feeling oh. that he does. Have. Well, and
0: then when you look at, Winona Ryder's character who is essentially Nina 15 years later, you know, she, she used to be the Nina, sure. how he just replaces. I mean, he just objectifies, like you were saying, all of this is his self-fulfillment. So he can be this amazing director and, and then how he, you know, treats Winona Ryder. Um, it, again, all filled with chaos. Like he, he, S- still calls her his little princess, but then basically tells her to get the fuck out because she's a mess. and, and yeah, I
1: thought her character was really interesting. Mm-hmm. If we're looking at this from a narciss, you know, the narcissism and that's involved because a narcissist will, um, discard you when you're not, it's just exactly what I was talking about before. They'll discard you when you're not in the mirror anymore, when you're mm-hmm. not a mirror, they want to look in anymore. Because he's aging too, right? So it's like when she doesn't fit the image that he wants of himself, and and he can't see her anymore because she's not the you know young ingenue star. Mm-hmm. He discards her like mm-hmm. yesterday's trash in very cold, callous way. And you see her, and I thought what was a pretty good portrayal by Winona Ryder. You see what the narcissistic abuse over however you know 10 years or however long they work together you see her chaos and she ends up like walking into traffic and getting hit by, hit by a car which i believe was on purpose mm-hmm. um because of that internal chaos of not being in the being the mirror anymore she's been so abused
0: yep and and i think to i would even take it one step further when they're having that after winona ryder steps into traffic narcissists love to do this, which is they love to flip the script and project, which is he made it sound like she was the narcissist. She did that on purpose for attention. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And just the, like what Shannon's talking about is that, that traumatic bonding that happened over so many years that she, she somehow sickly feels empty without him. Mm -hmm. Although she's so, she has been in, um, subjugated and, and just devalued for so long, but it's like what she's learned to become, you know, what she's learned to define as her, her her purpose, uh, her identity has been developed through his abuse. Yeah. And what's, I, I
1: don't know. It's, it's rough because what I see was that is so devastating about that as well is that you have a narcissist who has an emptiness to them, right? A shattered self usually is how I describe it. And, you have someone who has been, they have been feeding off of each other like emotional vampires for, well, let's say, we're pretending it's 10 years. And so she's been using his empty self as a supply for herself. So it's not even like using, it's not even like dependency or codependency where you're using the supply, someone else's energy as a supply for yours. It's, it's worse than that. It's you trying to do that to an empty person for yeah. 10 years. So she's never, she was never satisfied to begin with. No. And now that's gone. And this like persona or perception of her satisfaction is gone too. And so like, ugh. yeah. Ugh. yeah. It's rough to watch that part of it, and for this me. is
0: this is you know this performance art ballet in particular is already such a competitive perfectionistic you know it breeds narcissism um, in so many ways because these mostly women I understand that men do ballet as well but I'm just going to say you know if we're going you know. I guess what I'm saying is this industry is a perfect industry for narcissistic directors and choreographers to, to be a part of, because it's like, how easy is this supply? They're already groomed into being your perfect and, and loyal and, and, you know, they Well, I would say submissive. Submissive, thank you. I was trying to find the right the word. This is what they're they're bred to be for you. So what a po I mean, he comes in and every year he has these young women who will literally do anything, including him. He's got the carrot, you know. Yeah. 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 And so you're dealing with uh, competition between there's only one seat at the table, oftentimes for these women. So they're beating each other up emotionally, mentally. They're starving themselves. They're fucking him there. I mean, he, he's a God Mm -hmm. in this situation, in this scenario. And not many of the, older women who are around are protective factors because they all came from that
1: yeah they all went through it and they're abuse victims so, so. they're
0: and they're sitting there going honey sorry this is part of the game if you you gotta suck his dick if you want that i mean no one's protecting yeah
1: them. no they're 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 feeding the culture themselves they're mm-hmm. culpable as well you
0: know it's almost um comparable to you know when we uh, this is I don't mean to digress too much, but when we think about Jeffrey Epstein Mm -hmm. and all of the women who began to groom for him, I was thinking Manson
1: when we were talking. Yeah. The women are just as culpable.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, and are they, or have they just been manipulated through their trauma? Yep,
1: They're victims too.
0: Yep. So, I mean, it, I think this is a, a, a problem, in this culture, in this perf- specific performance art. And I know f- friends of mine who were ballerinas, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's
1: difficult. One thing I wanted to mention, too, is that, so the, some of the symptomology that we see in her character and it is a pretty long list, and I just wanna to speak to it. Visual hallucinations, paranoia, anxiety, OCD behaviors, self-injurious behaviors, some eating disordered behaviors, some personality disorder behaviors, and some psychosis. So I actually just kind of wanted to say that it's it would be extremely rare and not um, generally done in our psyches to have all of those no. symptoms. So no. I just wanna call attention to that that, you know, They're taking some artistic license with mental health symptomology. I just think that's important.
0: Yeah, you don't really have... There really isn't a diagnosis for her. No, and we see that a lot.
1: You know, those of you who have been listening for a while in the movies that we've talked about, we see that a lot where there's an artistic license for dramatic appeal. It's like, oh, well, we can't have a ballerina without her like vomiting and having an eating problem. And we can't um, have, you know, uh, visual hallucinations without... (laughs) all kinds of other crazy ocd and anxiety and all kinds of other stuff it's like well okay but you could well we also don't know
0: the one thing that isn't clear too that aronofsky doesn't make abundantly clear which i think is on purpose is how much of her symptoms are physical versus mental i mean there's like is she perceiving this we know that mom sees the scratch on her back, but then when it starts to look like chicken skin, yeah. you know, how much of it is in her mind versus how much of it is actually physically happening to her? Because when someone is under an incredible amount of stress, the body does start to do really weird things. Mm-hmm. But, um, so it's, it's, would be really hard to diagnose her, not that we do that often on the show, just because we don't really how much, know how much the symptomology is, is literal.
1: Yeah, either. I think, yeah, exactly. And my, my statement is more about like the rule out of, yeah, I mean,
0: the idea like, of her having all of that. Yeah. Also
1: because of this film, her character is a bending between what's, what's based and grounded in, in a communal reality, which is how we look at reality. Like, does everyone see the ghost on the wall or is right. it just me? That's right. <laughs> so it, um, it it's based on fantasy and a bit supernatural and it's a metaphor. I think that's, what's actually beautiful about the movie is that it's a, it's symbolic and a metaphor, um, for all of the things that we were saying, what did you, did it sit with you this movie or did it affect you at all? What do you,
0: I think it's highly effective. I think, um, you know, I know you have worked with teenagers as well. She's not a teenager, by the way, in the movie, but she presents a lot more emotionally. Like that. Emotionally <laughs> she is. I think she's like twenty-two or something in the movie, but um, she's at least twenty-one because they go to a bar. Right. Um, young women, we'll just say young women, so late teens, early twenties, is I think that this is also a metaphor for the the struggle of um a woman coming into herself unapologetically. Uh, without all of the pressures and expectations of of society, so whether that's a parent, whether that is a, uh, if we're looking at this from a heter- heteronormative model, from a man, um, from uh, just what society's expectations are, you know, it's like there's this part of her that really, really wants to desperately. Um, explore her sexuality but there's a part of her that's very reserved by that as though falling into that experience then makes her something different that she can never go back to and I I don't think that men typically or young men really go through that at least in the same way and so whether she's a ballerina or she's a store clerk it doesn't really matter it's this is the struggle of young women falling from innocence to experience and how rather than unapologetically being able to do that, it comes with all of these, um, I don't know, expectations, reservations, uh, penalties, judgments, um, anxieties, things that are are very unique to being a young woman. Well,
1: and even just in the story or the ballet, having, having the story, the black swan be seductive and sexual represent, The more manipulative, dark Dark. uh, side of ourselves is exactly the kind of cultural norm that uh, we're talking about, and that is um, propagated by at least American culture is that if you are in a Tay population, a transitional age population. And you're making that transition from, you know, 17 to 25 and you're going to come into your sexuality, whether that's hetero or not, and you're going to come into that sexuality and you're going to experiment with drugs maybe, and you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to make some really big mistakes because for lots of reasons, your impulse control isn't in there yet in your brain. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're going to make all kinds of decisions and there's a lot of chaos to becoming an adult. And that's going to be part of it. That mm-hmm. integration, you know, that everybody that anybody survives that age is a miracle because yeah. you really do have to go down a, a bit of a rabbit hole. But that sexuality is the dark, manipulative part of a female.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I just, I can't even tell you how much I disagree with that. Well, I mean,
0: I could, <laughs> I could go on a tangent about why that. Why is. don't we? Well, I mean I mean I mean, let's do it. <laughs> it's such a threat. Yeah. It's a it's a threat to the power mm-hmm. of a man. I mean, mm-hmm. let's just be real. Let's just call it what it is. Talking so, hetero you know. Yeah, if we're talking from a heteronormative uh or heterosexual Which we are because the movie is. It's very heteronormative. I mean, other than the one scene with me, which, which is which is a fantasy. Um the a woman's sexuality is so incredibly powerful that we i mean the idea of us coming into that and expressing it expresses such a threat if it didn't then it would not be this big of a deal Mm -hmm. so a woman is is essentially taught to gaslight herself into believing that whatever she feels or needs to experience or wants to explore is bad men are not given that message. In fact, they're given the opposite message.
1: Yeah. Go do be conquer. Go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wonder. literally <laughs> pillage
0: divide and conquer. No yes. pun intended, you know? Yeah. And it's like, so, so why then, unless it's something that's so intimidating because it could actually take over the world, Mm -hmm. it creates life. Yeah. Um, there's so much in there about how a woman's sexuality has been repressed for so long because of how powerful it is. Yes. And I,
1: I would just add sort of, uh, like the historically piece of this, excuse me, piece of this is that, you know, this dates back to pagan times with witchcraft and one of the many reasons why um the apocalypse of many, many women happened mm-hmm. is because women can give birth, right? right? And so that is a magic, right. right? And especially back then, they didn't really know what was up, like how it was happening and stuff. But like that was magic and magic is witchcraft. And, and witchcraft means I can't control it and I can't control your magic of babies and so maybe I can exterminate you mm-hmm. and hold more power menstruating
0: too all right. of that right all it's magic. all in this all yeah. all magic so there's like a huge yeah. you know
1: hundreds of years thousands of years one would argue like historical piece around this that has not is not the last fifty years, kids. <laughs> you know, no. like like we get all up in our thing about women's rights and and yeah. all of this, but like this is thousands. Historical. This is yeah. this is this has been built and it's been built. Well, and, and I, so- I,
0: yeah, and I, I and I think there, all of the in, intentionality around why there's only ever one seat at the table for a what you know when people say, why do women have to be so catty? Why do they have to fight with each other? Because the system is built. For there to be only one seat at the table, there's twenty seats at the table for men. Yeah. So it's not that men are less catty; it's that they haven't ever had to be in a position to really fight over one another. They've never, they've never had to deal with like the Mister Darcy complex, where yeah. five of us are going to fight for one woman. They don't care. There's fifty other women out there. Right. Right. So I mean, this kind of reining it back to this film, her. Her biggest, uh, let's see, how do I want to describe this? Um, the biggest fear or driving force or anxiety is really her coming into being a woman and how that that then creates the sense of autonomy that breaks her free from all the people who are controlling her, including society, environment, all of that. Mm-hmm. And that is a threat. To society, when a woman goes, I know who I am, I know what I want, and I don't need you to do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Very
0: intimidating. That is so intimidating. To a lot of people. Yeah. To a
1: lot of people, it's magic sure. and fire yeah. Yeah, yeah. and energy, yeah. and like they're attracted to it like a moth to a flame. Right. And then for a lot of people, it's it's also, you know I do want to s- sort of, for the sake of um, devil's advocate, say that because this is such a long historical uh, like uh, dynamic in, a, in the water for us, is that those people who may want that are simply not, weren't raised for it, don't understand it, it's scary because it's foreign. Um, their mothers maybe weren't like that. Their sisters maybe weren't like that. Um, and I'm including women too you know it's like it's just not been it's just not been a part of the of of our growth or our it's it's just a part of our story that we're trying that we're trying to be new with yeah. and so even those people who might say like that sounds great i want women to be like that and that sounds amazing even if it's about yourself you mm-hmm. know uh it's i i don't want to I don't want to devalue the fact that it's new and might be terrifying and might be uncomfortable and might be something that you're might fight against or have defenses against, not from a place of being, um, you know, a horrible misogynist, but from a place of foreignness. Um, but yeah, I think this movie has a lot to say in that way. Both both kind of accurate and not accurate right like i think it just amplifies the issue and then you can take issue with whatever's happening in it like feelings wise it's a powerful movie yeah i think it is too yeah and uh i mean it touches on a lot of things right like female identity and narcissism and all that so it's Mm -hmm. got a lot of great um discussion topics thank you for the
0: discussion yeah
1: appreciate it uh this has been an episode of terror talk
0: my name is shannon and i'm kathy sleep safe everyone We hope you enjoyed
1: this episode of Terror Talk. Please check out our Patreon page, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We'd love to engage with you as part of our community. Please take a moment to leave us a comment on any of our social media. Thank you so much for listening. And once again, sleep safe.